And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Welcome to episode 71 of Down Jesus on the Docks. Excited, buddy. Sounds sound like they un- fucking unveiled the Times Square Christmas tree. Wait till you un- hear what I unveil in this episode. It's a big that deal. That sentence almost unveiled. Unve- yeah, unve- shut up. Unve- it's been a long day for both of us. It's been a long week for both of us. Uh, we are actually recording this. Uh, on Wednesday. 24th hour. Let's do it, baby. Is it the 24th hour or the know. 25th? The 13th hour? I don't know. 12th hour or the 11th hour? It's, I've heard them all be used by by <laughs> basically the same thing. It's in the 13th hour and the 11th hour and the 12th. Like, what does any of it mean? It means we're behind. But the point <laughs> is, last the point is we're committed because why, Dave? Ah, we're professionals. Why? That is the main question, really, Chris. Why? Right. Because Why we're professionals. We, yes. we care about our growing audience, and we care about something. bringing you quality entertainment. Yep. Uh, for the price of uh, well, nothing. <laughs> Semi-amateur professionals. Uh, because we love what we do. So uh, obviously, we had a lot of feedback from last uh, week's episode, part two of "Nothing Lasts Forever." So much feedback uh, that I've got people not only asking me if I want to buy diamonds, but I got a couple of proposals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just saw a retard sexual blowtorch sixty eights meme which is fucking hilarious little donnie brasco God reference damn, dude i've never seen that movie but i figured it's from a movie of course you haven't seen it bro i don't understand the, the white rabbit scene. and the shit it's the fugazi what do you mean white rabbit i don't know some rabbit and bullshit no he, that's brasco. don the jeweler from fucking donnie brasco i never watched the movie joe pistone the famous undercover agent everybody from the loved feds. that movie growing up when i was in high school or whatever yeah. the fuck it came out yeah and meanwhile you're playing tech mobile or whatever yeah. you guys did back Quake then three Quake. Arena. 14. Rocket Arena 3. Um, so anyway, guys, um, before we start, I always want to say thank you for supporting us. Your comments mean a lot. You can always uh, follow us at Down on the Docks on Twitter and Down on the Docks pod at Instagram and send us an email at downonthedocks at gmail.com. Uh, now, before we get started, Dave, let's take care of the housekeeping. Let's take care uh, and remind our listeners who this week's episode is sponsored by. This week's episode of Down on the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established in 2016 San Diego, California, by cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. Are you sure it's not cannabis industry as four, maybe? The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention, we got to change that to a decade pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Be sure to mention Down on the Docks podcast for 15% off your next order, along with first-time patient gifts and rewards. Fuck that pussy. <laughs> Check them out today on Instagram at broccolifarm619 and daves.sarah. Alaskan Thunderfuck. Mm-hmm. You ever smoke it? They changed it to the correct Alaskan Thunderfunk. You're kidding me. Yeah. 
Does it, didn't it make you shoot your pants? Why wasn't that what? why they called it that? Alaskan uh, thunderfuck. I've never shit my pants. Oh, I thought that was a type of strain. Uh, strain. It was like shit your pants, but it was like cocaine. You know, cocaine always makes you shit a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. so I dude, there was shit about a an eighteen-year period where I couldn't stay uh, regular unless I yeah. did cocaine. And now wow. you see me taking Metamucil. Now you know why. Yeah, and you have you've had ring surgery in your asshole. <laughs> okay, also. we don't need. You know what? Different show. <laughs> okay, okay. Thanks for outing my ring surgery. Yeah, uh, I thought it was out there in the public. No, right. not uh, on this show. Not sorry. on this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> on this show. People are literally like ring surgery. Yeah. Oh, like no, no, no. From like the for, for the the doorbell. <laughs> not surgery. I meant the ring technician. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. I'm very excited about it. I still, I feel, I still, I still thought we were doing the diamonds. I know. Why, but, Dave? Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm a fucking you were like, let's do part three. Yeah. Just, I'm well, like, I want to talk more about diamonds. Um, All right. Let's go. I'm going to give you guys a little hint. For this week's episode. Now, of course, if you're a, a regular and dedicated listener, you know we have sound issues with because uh, our cues are messed up. So uh, normally I'd bring in a little music to get started. Yeah. The classic. Uh, I'll figure that out. So here's here's your tease. Here's your tease. You Take one? me away. I don't mind. You better promise me you'll be back in time. Why would you do this to me? You know what that's from, right? The song? Yeah. It's our childhood. Come on. No. How does, I forgot this. I don't know. It's Huey Lewis in the News. Okay. It's the theme from, uh, from what movie? I don't know. Back to the Future. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. You don't All remember right. that? Uh, I remember the movie. Do you know he one? was in the movie? You haven't even seen number two and number three. How can you even I've say you're a fan? I've seen three, but I never saw two. You've ne- you've seen all of three. Yeah, <clears throat> all of it. It's the one where they're back in the old days. Yeah, and yeah. you've never seen two. I know. It's so weird. You it's just, just got to go see it. I mean, how can you not see it? Because it's, so it's like weird. one of those things in life. You Everybody, watch the, the Back to Future 2, I'll watch a documentary. Fair. So it, here's the point. Everybody's got one of those amazing movies that they've never seen. Okay. Uh, like oh, I've yeah, never I've seen I've never seen Fellini's Eight and a Half. <laughs> when you say amazing movies, I thought you meant amazing. I've never even heard of that movie. <laughs> but I'm not a cinephile. Okay. I'm just a pedophile. Uh, perfect. Well, we're gonna get into it. Um the hint, Dave, kind of went over your head. This week's documentary uh that we're discussing is Framing John DeLorean. Okay. Oh. See how those dots connect? Oh, break back to the future and DeLorean? Yeah. Is it the same guy? I mean, don't tell me it's not. It's got to be at least the same guy, right? <laughs> same guy as what? The guy who made the DeLorean? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Do you know that what kind of car they drive in Back to the Future? A DeLorean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. D- Doc, you made a time <laughs> machine? Out of the DeLorean? Well, that, this is heavy. That wasn't fucking John Travolta. In no that movie. No, the, is that who that, I sounded yeah. like? No, it's from yeah. Michael J. Fox. Uh, it's not a DeLorean. All right, framing John DeLorean. Fuck me in the ass, Doc. Directed by John, uh, excuse me, Don Argot and <laughs> Sheena M. Joyce. Uh-huh. So we start this film out in black and white in yeah. um, uh, uh, undercover footage that's clearly like an interrogation room, like a. Okay. And on one side, you've got a scene. He's a guy's got his arm on a you know chair. Okay. And it's from the top up. Okay. And then the other screen, it's from the bottom down. It's like, okay. why don't I just 
put that together. together. Yeah, yeah. Resolution. So we hear a man and, and he says, back then. He says, okay, John, can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be talking to you over this intercom. Um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump that cup up, cuff up now. Okay. okay. So you hear that. Okay. And you can see he's got a cuff attached sure. to his arm. Now, I want you to grab your genitals nice and slow. <laughs> okay. Nice and slow. Well, Is that what that other camera's for? I was curious as to why they did like bottom shot and top shot. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because, of course, as we know, the term is polygrapher. Mm -hmm. And in certain polygraph polygrapher, tests, okay. for certain polygraph tests, sure. they want to see you from the waist down and ah. then the waist up, two separate shots. Uh -huh. So this is 83 of September. Yeah. We learned that this is from. And the guy says, now the test is about to begin. Is your first name John? Yes. Uh, during the 53 years of your life, did you do anything dishonest, uh, illegal, or immoral? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Before yeah. 1981, did you ever engage in any improper business practice or put false information on uh, any official form or document? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a straight shooter, that guy. Before age 54, did you ever cheat someone or take advantage of someone in a business deal? Yes, I would say. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, uh, John, uh, how was it that time? A little nervous? Well, like um, when you get into those general questions, you start thinking about, you know, every bad used car you sold people and maybe that one time. You, yeah, I noticed you answered false. Well, committed a little adultery, maybe. Oh, what? hey, what? <laughs> yeah, he goes there. Uh, you ever, you ever commit adultery? I've never been married. Oh, you ever cheated on anybody? Never. See, I, I, I'm with you, except for one time. I've never, as far as I know, yeah. have also never been cheated on. I'm sure I've been cheated on because mm. I've been used for sex. I know that. Yeah. Now, Big uh, burly dude, was he? Let me finish. I remember cheating on my girlfriend. Talking about a bottom shot, huh? When I was like 23, I made, I made out with a girl and Aww. felt guilty. Aww. So anyway. How cute. Anyway, the interviewer is like, well, you know, this whole process causes you. To well, Chris, I didn't want to tell you this, yeah. but she's here now. <laughs> Bring her in. This Kayla. is your life. Come in, Kayla. Close. Ooh. Uh, she was a Kathy. Um, well, John's like, well, you know, you go through your whole life and uh, all of a sudden, boom, we see the flashy cars. We hear the pumping music and uh, we're seeing something starting to get, get going here. And we see DeLorean behind various makes and models of cars over the years. Um, not just DeLoreans, but, you know, old hot rods, cars from the 60s. Okay. Now, who made the DeLorean? Is it a, from a, another company? Like I'm going to give you one guess. It's just one company, DeLorean? It's a guy named John DeLorean. Okay. No, <laughs> John. Yeah, DeLorean. No, no. I, I just wasn't sure if, like, it might have been... Dolorskis? No, no, no. Like, I, I just wasn't sure if maybe this was like a, if he was like a known guy in the racing industry. No, he wasn't in the racing industry. We're going to talk about his oh, history yeah, sure. in a minute. So we hear an unknown. And male. like he just got picked up by like a thing, by like a Chevy or something like that. But they just went with the Lord. I don't know. It's a bio doc. You're going to learn a lot about sure. John. So he, <laughs> great. We hear a man say John DeLorean is one of the Maverick. We might learn a little bit about ourselves. Maverick rogues of his day, and there are very few of these guys around. So keep in mind, we're in the present day now. So it's time to meet a writer 
uh, a British man by the name of Alex Holmes. Like a car writer? Well, no. He's an unproduced writer who wrote a John DeLorean film oh. that's untitled. He was a writer. He was a dreamer. Okay. He wanted to push things beyond where other people had taken them. And in a way, that's a marvelous and appealing characteristic. But it's also extremely dangerous. Well, time to meet producer Steve Lee Jones, who un, uh, has an unproduced John DeLorean film in the works. John DeLorean was a winner, a loser, a champion, a relentless fool. This guy was the quintessential leading man that Hollywood producers dream of, and he was real. Now, we see him with the shirt off, Dave, back in the day. He's a good-looking dude. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, well, it's fucking John DeLorean, dude. <laughs> I mean, with his name. brother Tim DeLorean. That's <laughs> <laughs> the DeLorean brothers. Time to meet Bob Gale. Now you have, you of ah. course know who Bob Gale is, right? No, dude, dude he wrote Back to the Future. Whoa, yeah, crazy. Yeah, what else did he write? Buddy, are you kidding me? Back to the Future Two? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no shit. Three? Wow. Now here's something that's very interesting. Since he didn't you write up. anything else after that. No, he wrote a lot. That never uh, got published. One of his best films was his produced. first film. Okay. Okay. Which was? Now, well, let, let me back up. Okay. Gail and Zemeckis are partners. Okay. Zemeckis. Andrew Zemeckis. No. Okay. Bob Zemeckis. Bob Zemeckis. Made some pretty important Is films. Is there an Andrew Zemeckis Probably. out there? Probably. Okay. He made Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah, he made yeah. Zemeckis, the Future, I know. A- Castaway. Sure. And <clears throat> Bob Gale's been his writing partner for years. Okay, cool. But cool, before cool, cool. they made it big. Maybe we can make it big one day as a Yeah, doubtful. Neff but again, and Sarah. We, we do this Sarah because we Neff. love it. Let's not forget. It would be It would Neff. be nice to make money. You're it right. would be Neff Sarah. You know what it would be? Uh, it'd these be, are the days it would be cameras. It would be Neff with a special appearance. Uh, featuring, by Sarah. Featuring Neff, Neff featuring <laughs> I don't even Sarah. think featuring. Maybe uh uh, maybe it would just be Neff, and then it would just be a cameo by yeah, you, yeah, yeah. but no, no name. No name. So anyway, Bob, the other guy, Bob Gale, Bye. wrote the, one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, it's called Used Cars. Have you ever seen it? It's a movie. Yeah, no. Came out in like eighty, eighty one, and Bob's Zem- Zem- Zemeckis directed. A lot of movies. Let me just tell you what it's about. Yeah, it's about these small time car dealers, used car dealers. One is the main guy is Kurt Russell. And, you know, they're competing with a local used car dealer. The guy from Escape from L.A.? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so they're competing with another thing, another company. And it stars one of my favorite character actors of all time, a man by the name of Jack Warden. You know who he is, of course. Uh, no. Okay. Great character. Great people. character actor. He was in okay. The Verdict. He was in... Uh, uh, You're making a run at some character actor awards over here tonight, too. He's of what? What's my character tonight? Uh, we did the British guy already. Oh yeah, yeah. There'll we be a did lot strong of strong burly man. He was There'll all, be a lot of this. We know. He was also in all the presidents, man. He's just in. I mean, Sidney Lumet's Twelve Angry right, Men. We for get Christ it. Sake. He suck his cock. Let's go. <laughs> okay, Tell me about the right. fucking movie. So what it is is there's two competing used car dealers. Okay. okay? Classic they, American tale. Right. They show all the sketchy shit they do to sell sure, cars. Sure, sure. They roll back odometers. Sure. They get people on the lot like by using fishing lines with like putting like a five dollar bill on the end of it and like wow. you know, trying to get people into the, Just to buy the lot. A car. And the whole pitch is they get busted by one of their rivals because in an ad they say, Come down to our used car lot where we got millions of cars. And somebody gets them on a technicality. No, they say miles. They're like, 
well, we're going to sue you because you don't really have miles of cars. So they have to get miles of cars to fight That's the hilarious. lawsuit. That's it's hilarious. hysterical. Well, I'm also sure that that probably led to the reason why a lot of used car salesmen don't do well. Because uh, just it went to it's a stigmatized. Well, it's funny you mentioned this because last night on the news, they're revamping the auto industry mm. where, you know, you it's, buy the car. Sounds like they're revamping a lot of things, a lot of industries. You buy the car, mm -hmm. but... When you go on lot, you think you're going to pay sticker price or whatever price you negotiate, sure. but then these assholes get you in the room. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, well, what about that clear code update? Yeah, no, <laughs> or they're know. like, oh, yeah. let's get that 10,000 year war or 10,000 mileage warranty up to 12.5. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were double dipping. So you got to get a broker. Yeah. Well, or just, I go in when I buy a car, I say, this is what I'm paying for the fucking car. And I'm not going in the room. Just yeah. so you know, <laughs> I know how it works. Don't even fucking take me in the room. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. But well, I mean, that, when you want, when you have the, yeah. You know, but the yeah, room yeah. is when they play good cop, bad cop. You know, honestly, what they do now, really, they yeah. do do that also. We're talking about the clear cone, all that shit. Yeah. But really what they do is they, they, they only make, you know, like three versions of these cars that you get right. on the lot. Right. It's like the bare bones one. Yep. And then it's the like, and then it's like the mid, but then they've got like four different versions of the mid, the yeah. clear coats on this one, but then you don't have a radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's shit like that. But the margins on warranties are through the roof. Ah, I know the I, yeah. Honda tried to fuck me on, on my, I'm sure they on did. My, you still driving that K car? I love that car. I'll never get rid okay. of it. Okay, let's get I mean, back to it. Let's but yeah, but they didn't the Honda try to fuck me with the like as soon as I came in because they approved me for a loan. One of the few places. Yeah, but uh, they automatically added four thousand dollars to my thing uh -huh. as soon as yeah. They, just I was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. I'm not paying you twenty. I'm not paying twenty eight thousand dollars. Yeah, fuck for twenty one for twenty one thousand dollars for fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Back to Gail. Yeah, he says I've always wondered why there's never been a feature film made about John's life. It would be a great movie. Well, we see John in an old interview, and he said, obviously, I had this dream. I wanted to build this uh, automobile. Uh, company. Everybody said it's inconceivable that uh, any new automobile company could survive. And we finally see the famous uh, DeLorean flying down the road. Now, do you know what the DeLorean looks like? Yes. Outside of Back I've driven one. Oh, you have? Yes. Okay, so it's got My the... My cousin had one. It's it's stainless steel. Yeah. Kind of like a, what Elon's doing. It's a doing nice with. car. Yeah. It's like... Um, uh, I, and I generally like the matted look to DeLoreans, yeah. but it, it always never seemed like you can get it clean. It's stainless steel, bro. I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm no, just, I know, but it's going to scuff. It's just like you could just never get it clean. It just yeah. always looked shabby. Yeah, but you it's got the mean? gold wing doors, which was a huge sell feature for it. Sure. You know, it looks like it's flying. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that was, <laughs> that's literally the only reason to ever, to ever have it. Well, we also meet another producer. I mean, it looks kind of cool. From yet an un, another unproduced John DeLorean film. And his name's David Permute. And he says... I've always been interested in the story of the quintessential outsider, full of ambition and hope, who works his way up and ascends to the position he was in. Now, I'm sitting here, we're a minute in, and I'm like, how many fucking John DeLorean films are these guys going to be making? Because it's one after another. These guys, you know, talking about their John DeLorean film. Um, well, we also learned he had his auto empire, a beautiful wife, children, and he was the golden boy. Uh, Permute says, and of course... His colossal fall is almost Shakespearean. Well, we see a little teaser 
of a headline that says DeLorean busted, sports car builder arrested in $24 million cocaine deal. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, hell yeah. I like where this is going. Britain says it's closing his Northern Ireland plant. So that's why the whole thing's stainless steel. (laughs) (laughs) You could literally do cocaine on any part of this car. Well, let's talk about... Off any part of this car. Let's talk about him a little bit. We hear a male reporter who says that John gave up a shot at the presidency of General Motors to build his own futuristic sports car, and now he's in jail this morning. Mm. Well, Alex Holmes, uh, he says the thing that's remarkable about DeLorean's story is that it has all these incredible, powerful elements. It's got a marvelous celebrity couple. It's got drugs. It's got drug dealing. Yeah. It's got FBI guys. Yeah. It's got this incredible political black uh, backdrop. Uh And that's the, you know, sort of stories that politicians weren't corrupt in the 80s. What are you talking about? That if it hadn't happened, you couldn't dare to make this stuff up. So that sounds like a movie for you, Dave. (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, I want to be the star of this movie. Drug dealing. Yeah. FBI. Sounds like a weekend for me. I mean, <laughs> you throw in a little flat earth, it's your life. <laughs> I mean, doggy, why can't you see it over the ridge? <laughs> We're not going on a flat earth you, tangent. You can see in the it, dude. It's, go, it's just going too far away for you to see, bro. DeLorean, there is no curve. DeLorean says the interesting thing is all of a sudden, now a number of people have been back at me wanting to do a movie of my life. Now, this okay. is from an interview maybe about 10 With years ago. Well, time to meet another writer who wrote another unproduced John DeLorean film mm-hmm. named Adam Mazur. He says it always seems to be a story that had been her- around Hollywood as, as early as the 80s. And we see articles, you know, DeLorean film rights, variety. It's a bidding war for DeLorean's life story, things like that. And Alex Holmes says often good ideas, you know, produce several films at the same time. Uh, with John DeLorean, I think it was taken to another level. Now, this bugs me. Okay. You ever have this situation where you're like jazzed to watch a two-hour dateline on a murder? No. And then you realized 48 Hours did the same episode the week before? No. I didn't, <laughs> no, none of that. My point is, it is the I, worst. I, I, I understand the sentiment. Yeah. That sucks. That's like a, it's called Spoiler. It's the worst. I have always said, why don't they just bid on these stories, these network shows? You know what I mean? It's like, you take BTK, we're going to do Dahmer. So is that what happened? Probably they got the story and then you just find out that like, all right, SVU is going to do an episode on it. And then uh, then you could do the story about the fucking... Well, it's like when the uh, Roger Murtaugh thing, not Roger Murtaugh, he was in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Murtaugh. <laughs> okay. Alex say. Murtaugh. Mm-hmm. He's the one that killed all his, his family uh-huh. in South Carolina. Uh-huh. And then he's a mess of a human. Okay. Anyway, it's all over the news. That I can handle. Are you talking about the more, more reta- recent thing with the, yeah. Murta- with the Murtaugh's? Alex yeah, yeah. Murtaugh, the guy yeah. that, something about a boat yeah. and then the cover up. Yeah. How did you hear about this? Buddy, because I don't miss an episode of Dateline. Wow, I didn't Buddy, realize I saw that the was Dateline. on Dateline. I saw the 48 Hours. I saw the Netflix doc. Whoa. I saw the HBO doc. These were Whoa. all five-part series. 
Okay. I didn't even know there was any of that about this thing. Bro, there's a podcast with a woman whose whole life is committed to telling this story. Just about and like she's got the Murtaz and nobody Mur- will listen to the it. Mur- the Murtaz are like a po- like a f- popular political family in that yeah. area, sort of. They right? were he was the solicitor back in in, in the county. We're not gonna get into it right now, but I, yeah. I, I didn't realize it was. I I, I just heard that story years ago. It's massive and like story. was uh, was very. Con- but then something happened recently, right? Yeah, with the kid killing somebody. I yeah, and then them trying to cover Buddy, it up. Buddy, this story is wow. never going to end. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's cool. If we were smart, we would just cover the Murtaugh's nah. for like five years. Nah. Okay, anyway. So we see all these films that are in production. Okay, you ready for their titles? Uh, okay. DeLorean Project. Wow. Untitled DeLorean Project. Untitled DeLorean Thriller. This is like... This is like Marvel over the next fucking five years. It's DeLorean. Like, it's like it's like undisclosed Marvel movie, Marvel movie, superhero duo movie. Back to the DeLorean. Undisclosed. DeLorean. I just had an idea, Dave. DeLorean. DeLorean. We need to write our own unproduced <laughs> DeLorean yeah, movie. Yeah, unnamed DeLorean movie. Yeah. Sick. We might take out my Call off. it Stainless Steel. <laughs> <laughs> well, the man of stainless steel. We meet another unproduced writer of a DeLorean movie. Yeah. His name's Nick Spicer. Of course uh, it is. He says every one of these movies had different people from John's life. Different ah, family I always, members. It was, I always thought it was Nick Spicker. Different underlying material, which made it this, this fascinating race to get the movie made. Because each one would have been a decidedly different story. Yeah. Well, Dave, yeah. would you be f- shocked to learn that to this day, they have still not made a DeLorean movie? Wow. Yeah. He's like the shitty Steve McQueen. <sighs> Steve McQueen without all the talent. Bob Gale says ever so often. But what made him famous? Are we getting there again? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's how this show starts. Oh, okay, okay. I tell you the story and try and convince I'm you to so watch inconsi- it. Like so, I know. Not, not inconsistent. It's What's the word? Um, shitty at this. <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> Forgetful. Impatient. Impatient. You, but see, that's why people love this show. Yeah. Because they get to go on this journey with you, Dave. Yeah. And they're like, God, I hope Dave asked this question. Yeah, do they? I I hope Dave asked this question. I really gets think it out of Chris. That's what they ask. Anyway, Bob Gale says every time you know. You hear, oh, someone's going to make a movie about DeLorean. You're like, sweet, let's knock on wood because it should happen. Yeah. Now, Alex Holmes, he says, John was this kind of chameleon-like figure. I'm a chameleon. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I hear the word. Macho man. 180 degrees. Who could appear one thing to one person? And another totally different thing to another person. And I think in a way, that's why so many scripts have been written about him. Because, you know, he's open to interpretation. Okay? Got it. Another, uh, so we see this, by the way, some of these clips in this this doc are so great. We see this unknown female interviewer and her hair is just like in a perfect shell on her head mm-hmm. and yeah they it, had it like that that's back like in the a day. can of aquanet just to yep, keep that yeah yep, yep. they just made the shit stronger and remember how like heavy the cans were back in the oh, day yeah. and like how much there was in there though yeah and ain't like, like that anymore they ain't like that anymore. now it's just like you get a little spritz no aerosol Half either the cans left you need like it's the no more aerosol left. well she's interviewing john and she says you get the impression uh that he is either a beleaguered man who has 
discredited and manipulated a big business in this country, or mm-hmm. he was the greatest con man mm-hmm. to ever come down the pike. Mm-hmm. Title card, oh. framing <gasps> John DeLorean. Dun, dun, dun. Now we Wait see a minute, is the actual motherfucker guy framed? Holy shit. Bro. Whoa. So we see Alec Baldwin in a makeup chair. Ah. He's got John's prosthetic nose is on. Is he talking into the camera like very seriously? I don't know where you have do no for idea Christmas this how year. serious he gets. Me and Hilaria are gonna try and take the kids to go see some trees. Why don't in I the just, woods? Why don't I just do the impressions for the rest <laughs> of the show? Come on. So Come on, that's pretty good actually. Alex says you shoot him for your purposes over the arc of how many years? He ages a bit. Sounds like Alex Trebek. All right. And now the producers are like, yeah, we're going to shoot him from like the 70s to the early 80s. So there's a spread and he ages during that time. And I want to see how his behavior ages. I need to see clips. Uh, I need ranges of all this stuff. When we see John in an old interview and he says, my pride is so intense that nothing in the world would let this business, this car with my name on it go down. All right, the involvement with the cocaine. Can you talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't want to talk about that. Well, it's a, I was framed. It's a peculiar thing because you know, in my life, I've I've never uh, I've never ever seen cocaine, touched cocaine, used cocaine, or been in the presence of anybody. I call bullshit, bro. If you walked on the planet in the seventies, you ran into cocaine. Hmm. Okay. Am I wrong on that perspective? I think I need a DeLorean right now for some time travel. <laughs> so, um, uh, so this guy claimed, okay, he so says he's without never seen. not knowing anything about him, yeah, made a car out of stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I call bullshit. <laughs> like your movies in Back to the Future, I got a little bullshit. Right, you think I got a little bullshit? Probably gonna run into, uh, but you never somewhere. know. I mean, I don't who. I want to know who he thinks framed him. If he thinks the government framed him, I could see something like that. I'm going to give you a hint. Sure. The government is definitely involved. Uh, these motherfuckers, dude. Always trying to fucking... Unless... It's like... Uh, unless they made him, and then which in which case, when they come asking for half their, their cut, uh-huh. and you don't give it... Uh-huh. <laughs> that's why people get divorced. That's why Bezos got divorced. That's why Bill Gates got divorced, is because... That's the government's half of the money. I get it. And it just gets funneled into charities. Baldwin says, all the time I've looked at DeLorean before. Or by modern art. I thought, where is he manipulating? From Hunter Biden. And where are the peaks behind the curtain of who he really is? And when you play the person, you say to yourself, forget me about me looking at DeLorean as a viewer on a TV show and saying what's behind the curtain with him. You... You, you start to play him. You go, no, 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 no. He's not guilty of anything. He didn't do anything. In fact, it's the opposite. He's a hero in his own mind. He's a hero, and you have to play that. You have to play who he thinks he is, and you present him as who he thinks he is to the world, and you let the audience make up their mind. Well, we see an interview, and Baldwin's watching away, and the person says... And that you suddenly thought you were involved with the mob and you were frightened for your life and your children's lives. So maybe, Dave, the mob might be involved in any of this. Well, Alec finishes his makeup 
And at this point, he looks exactly like Dolorskis. Fucking Dolorskis. Time to meet Hillel Levin, a DeLorean biographer who wrote a book called Grand Illusions. And he says, for John DeLorean, growing up in Detroit, it was every kid's dream to go into the auto industry. Well, we also meet uh, Detroit journalist and author of a book called On a Clear Day, You Can See GM, named Patrick Wright. And he says, one thing you have to understand about John DeLorean is he was a brilliant engineer. And so to start, he had some really good instincts and he had great talent. Now, we also meet a man named uh, Don Sherman, who uh, wrote for Car and Driver for years and says DeLorean thrived in the car business, first at Packard, for a short time at Chrysler, and somebody sought him out at GM and offered him his choice of the five divisions. Hmm. Could you name one division of GM? Uh, nope, uh, apparently no, not. I mean, research and development? <laughs> <laughs> Accounting? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one of their brands? One of brands? Yeah. Oh, of uh, what are we GM. GM? Yeah. Ooh, I mean, okay. You gotta, I don't really know go how Go with this... one of the big ones, Chevrolet. So Chevy, so GM owns Chevrolet still, yeah. and and Ford. No, Ford not is Ford. not part of GM. Okay, who owns? What does GM own? Well, you got Chevy, Chevy, Pontiac. Okay. Um, <laughs> the other three. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. So really? anyway, he decided to take on Pontiac. I'm not good with cars or movies. He or anything. That's not true. He decided to take on Pontiac. Now, okay. Pontiac at the time, Dave. That's pretty true. I'm not really good at anything. <laughs> Pontiac at the <laughs> I'm time. To, I'm trying to think right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at doing drugs. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm very good at that because I don't. I do that alone in my room. That's kind of boring. That means you're very good at it. You don't Is need it? anybody to help you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not hurting anybody. No. Yeah, nobody's right. Nobody's like around. I going do like, do drugs the right way. You're right. Yeah, nobody's like, look at that guy. He doesn't even know how to load or load his bong, or yeah. he doesn't even know how to chop some tight line. Yeah. A pinner. I don't make them pins. All right. So anyway. Pontiac was known as the old ladies mm-hmm. division. Okay. Mm. The what? The old ladies division Aww. at GM. Uh, but Pontiac. he saw it as an opportunity where he could shine the most. But well, what, what, at this time working, yeah. for, this, this is the fifties. So what is he doing for them though? He's an engineer. Okay. So <clears throat> do, okay. We ever get, do we ever get go into like his schooling? And anything? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Not a, yeah. That's where he met his first drug dealer. <laughs> well, we meet Bill Collins, who was an engineer with John at uh, GM. And he says in those days, in the 50s and early 60s, Pontiac particularly was exciting to be a part of because they were almost uh, ready to fall apart, basically. And, of course, that was the kind of thing that you gave uh, gave up, you know, the incentive to come up with new ideas and make things happen. Uh, okay. Yeah, and John says, I started as a very unsophisticated young engineer. I was given an opportunity to uh, attain uh, a success in business uh, far beyond anything I ever imagined and I was capable of. Well, we also meet a gentleman by the name of Tamir Arden. And he's okay. a big part of this film because he's a DeLorean historian. He knows Dolorsky's inside out. DeLorean historian, huh? Yep. You've been waiting all day to say that. DeLorean historian. You know, this was a special guy who was going to change the industry forever and truly become a legend at the company. Well, Bill says the story on the GTO is that we were about ready to do a brand new line, and we had the 64 Tempest, 
uh, to be there in the garage where John, you know, was out with a couple other guys. Well, we see uh, a recreation because remember Baldwin is playing recreation DeLorean and all these recreations. So this is in the documentary. This is part of the documentary. How how old is the documentary again? Came out uh, 1999. Okay. No, excuse me. 2019. It's like four years old. 1999. (laughs) So like instead of ever making the DeLorean movie, they just did this. Correct. Okay. And I'm like, I think this is the best they're going to get. Me, Alec Baldwin, to do DeLorean. Yeah, and just so you know, I cut a lot of the stuff out because yeah. it's boring. Yeah, but we see <laughs> we see the first reenactment. I I know. I was How like, long is it? The doc. Yeah, uh, two hours. Oh boy! But they fill it with these little reenactment scenes, yeah. and I'm like, man, if they can't make these reenactment scenes interesting, how are they going to make a movie out of this shit? Okay. So we see. Uh, DeLorean, played by Alec Baldwin, in the GM Design Studio in Detroit in about 1963. Hey, Bill. Uh, John, you heading home? Yeah, I was about to. I wanted to stop by and see how you guys were coming along. Uh, well, and see how you guys were going along. Bill shows him this car, and he's like, well, I think she's about as good as we're going to get her. And uh, Bill says he would encourage everybody to do something new and different. And... Uh, Dolores he takes a long look at the car and he says, mm, I was hoping maybe we'd uh, have something, you know, sexier. And he's like, you mean sportier? He's like, yeah, more high power performance, you know? Well, our 389 engine has the same exact dimensions and 326 here, so we could swap that out, no problem. How would the car handle with that extra power? Well, that's a thing. We'd have to fit the appropriate transmission or rear axle. Well, we could do that. It'd definitely be sexier, John. Shoot, we could even run NASCAR. I say we do it. <laughs> okay. Really? Absolutely. But then what? You think you can sell it? You let me worry about that, Bill. Uh-huh. Well, so that's how it was, basically. You fucking build the cars and sell them. Yeah. And if you don't build and sell good cars... You lose your the- job. <laughs> times were simple. Well, we when s- all the men were fighting a war. Yeah, and running the show. Yeah. So we see, there goes a point. I guarantee we just got hurt on the, on the comments for that one. Oh, Love pussies. it. So we see a vintage commercial of the GTO, and this thing's a beast. The engine's rubbing. It's flying down the highway, doing turns and, you know, donuts. Doing turns. We get close-ups of the wheels, you know. And uh, Is we, it actual footage from that time also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. And John's like, I was just going to drive it back and forth to work and I had a marvelous time with it. And I found out that every time I lent it to somebody for a day or two, I couldn't get the thing back. Well, there may be a market for something like that. So we see DeLorean now in a reenactment with the suits. And uh, they're like, what the hell is this? And he's like, that's the GTO. Stands for Gran Turismo Omolungato. (laughs) What does it stand for again? Gran Turismo Omolungato. Omolungato. Which I think is Italian for fast as hell. (laughs) But uh, it'll beat every car on uh, any street in America. And it's still a Pontiac. No. Hold a second, John. Turn that off. The 14th floor is never going to go for putting such a large engine in such a small frame. Well, we find out GM had forbade putting so-called big block engines in okay Mm -hmm. which meant 350 cc's or better into a medium car 
The guy upstairs approved this? I don't need their approval. John, it's a new product. All new products need upper management approval. Well, Tamir Arden says, John was interesting. He loved just really figuring out ways to bend the rules as much as possible. But it's not a new product. It's an options package ah, on the new Tempest. That's a great, that's mm-hmm. a great move. And one that puts a real tiger under the hood. <laughs> GTO option package. It's manipulative. It's marketing. Yeah, 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 I like it. Pontiac is primarily the division for older buyers, John. What are they going to want with a hot rod? We're the division for older buyers because that's how we view ourselves. We've got to anticipate what younger buyers want before they even know what they want. And once they realize it, we give them this. So how many do you want to produce? You're the sales manager. You tell me. I was thinking five thousand or 30000 You're out of your goddamn mind. John, be reasonable. I can't imagine us selling 5,000 of these, but let's start with that number and let's hope they don't rust on the lot. (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) sick, dude. That's pretty cool. DeLorean says at that time, the sales manager at Pontiac thought I was stupid. And he refused to schedule more than I think, you know, a couple thousand. Well, Don Collins, his engineering partner, calls it the outlaw move. Right. DeLorean snuck it past the GM watchdogs by a sort of sleight of hand, and it was just an options package. Well, despite his feeling it wouldn't sell, John says, we sold 45000 in the first year. Oh, shit, mm-hmm. dude. Dude, the GTO was a smash hit. I mean, uh, yeah, I know. You know, it was a big deal. You I mean, ever been in one road, of those things? They made the Roadrunner? Yes, I've been in an orange The Roadrunner, road. buddy. Those are, those are highly collectible. I know. I know a thing or two. It has the little uh, Roadrunner logo Mm -hmm. on it, too. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, not Disney? Is the Roadrunner? No, Disney's... That's uh, Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, Wiley Coyote. Whatever that is. Acme. Yeah, that's Warner Brothers. Which is all Warner. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, all that shit's Warner. Well, we see one of these GTO commercials. Hot chick driving the car. I gotta ask a question. Yeah. Is Acme a real company? Yes. These, what do they sell these days? Do they sell? I feel like I see no, no, places. No, no, they're not a real Acme, but the brand has been ripped off many a times. No, I know that, but like, so okay, yeah. So there's no actual brand name Acme that they based the cartoon yeah, off yeah, of. Yeah. I don't believe so. Okay, I got to find out about that. I'm, I'm big, like 99 percent sure. What's that guy's name? Mel Blanc. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, I went Did down all the voices. My my ex girlfriend and I back in the day <clears throat> went down um, the old. They go down every every couple of weeks in San Diego. It happens every couple of months, I think. They'll uh, like the daughter the of Mel Blanc, Blancening, Mel Blanc's daughter. They do like a picnic <laughs> at like a a place in San Diego. Yeah, or just like a bunch of people, and then they walk to the uh, to the theater right up the block. Yeah, and they watch like a like a a pre made like hour long thing of like all the iconic Bugs Bunny. Yeah stuff and then they do like a little q a it's weird man some things tie generations together because i used to watch those cartoons uh, when i was a kid and i know my dad did you know but it was one of my favorite things yeah watching those warner brothers cartoons Mm -hmm. well we see this vintage gto commercial we got a smoking hot brunette driving blonde in shotgun and they just pull up to a lake the hood opens up and a tiger jumps out of this thing whoa 
And Tamir says it's the perfect moment in which John was able to marry both his brilliant engineering as well as marketing prowess to create the muscle car. Now, Dave, do you, have you ever owned a muscle car? Because you drive the no. K car, which no. is kind of girly. The fucking the 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 Honda Civic. Yeah. It's a Honda Civic hatchback. It's a fucking yeah, it's it's a utility gir- car. It's basically. a girly car. Is it? Yeah. You never had a real muscle car? Um, no. Okay. I'm not really into cars. You're missing or shoes. out on life. You're missing out on life. Into because computers and girls. Yeah. Yeah. Computers. Yeah. And girls. And girls. Well, you know what? On it, the internet. If you drove a muscle car, mm-hmm. you might pick up some muscles. Yes. Yeah, some cock. Dave, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but sure. you're looking at the former owner mm. of a 1965 mm. Mustang wow. with a three-speed, mm. with a 302 Cleveland wow. that was so fast off the line. Yeah. I had to leave bags of cat shit mm-hmm. in the trunk mm-hmm. just to distribute the weight. Yeah. This thing would jump. It was a bumper. Gotcha. But not like the ones you see. You know, in East LA, yeah, <laughs> it's not a hydraulics. No, it was there was so much power in sure. it, the thing would just launch. Wow, you know what I sold that car for, Dave, in 1993 to go to college? Nine K, fifteen hundred dollars. You know what the they go for now? I mean, not yours, yeah. What do they go for now? 6800. No, that car sixty five probably it, goes. That for, car would go for at least twenty five grand. Yeah, sixty five, probably. Yeah, I I can vividly remember getting in an accident into it because if you ever if you've never driven an old car that has driven an old um, an old a couple of old uh, like uh, station wagons, trust me, and an old Chrysler, like some without an anti lock brakes. Oh yeah, I got I was in, uh, driving to school one day and I hit a turn. And there was a car maybe like, I don't know, let's say 75 feet away from me. Okay. And it's come right at me. And I hit the brakes. They locked. And it was like 10 seconds later we hit him. But I was like, put your seatbelt on, guys. We're going to hit that car. <laughs> it's going to take a little while. But we have enough time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on. And sure enough, we hit the car. Back when they called them <laughs> safety belts. Well, yeah, big deal. So... You have to understand, this is the muscle car. You can smoke era. in the bank. Okay. This is what advanced, dude, you could smoke while you were operating on somebody's heart. Okay. <laughs> Delivering a baby. Yes. <laughs> All right, Mrs. Johnson. Yep. <sighs> Push. <laughs> so, this made Detroit a lot of money. It made mm, yeah. Pontiac a lot of money. Yeah. And GTO is legendary, as you know. So, DeLorean made the fucking GTO? Yes. Holy shit. I never knew that story. Yes. That's crazy. So it was a risky move, you know, but it put him on the map. And, you know, Baldwin says, what I see about DeLorean for me took such risks. And the problem with people who take risks is that when they win, they, they make the calculated risk. They become emboldened and uh, they take more risks. And uh, then they take risks. And then they buy $25 million worth of cocaine and try to flip it for 40 Outside of their normal sphere. Yes. You're almost right on with the numbers. Okay. Okay. We're going to segue to some surveillance footage. Okay. Um, from 1982. All right. In Los Angeles that was taken at the Sheraton oh, Hotel. Boy. Okay. Here we go. 1992? Uh, 1982. 82. So we see this black What year did Black uh, Back to the Future come out? Uh, 84, 85. Uh-huh. Okay. So okay. we see three men in a hotel room, okay? 
and they're two are, they're all sitting in chairs and yeah. it's set up two, two are sitting across from each okay. other one's in the middle okay and uh we see one of them open up a large suitcase all right now this is unknown voice on the tape between this and the other it'll generate about four and a half not less than four and a half mil gigawatts what point <laughs> 21 gigawatts well we see baldwin watching this tape and he says risk taking is in the automotive industry and risk taking with a bunch of drug dealers in a hotel are two different things when your confidence in yourself is very very high you don't make mistakes you don't see them coming well bad news we see the feds walk into this room uh, in this surveillance footage. Hi, John. Jerry West. We're the FBI. <laughs> the Jerry West? Wow. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. Well, Baldwin says... The logo. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I love your logo. <laughs> uh, by the way, do you know who the logo is in Major League Baseball? No. Ken Griff now, isn't it? No, no. You know, because... But you, isn't it now Ken Griffey Jr.? Am I wrong about that? I think you're wrong about that. Okay. Because when we, for those of you that don't know what we're saying, the logo is the red, white, and blue logo. Yeah, yeah. And it's in shadow. And yeah. everybody knows it's Jerry West. Yeah, yeah, in the NBA, yeah. Well, MLB does the same thing. It's right. red, white, and blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe it's... Har not Harmon Kilbert. I believe it's Brooks Robinson. Hmm. So feel free to fact check us on that I could have sworn we're one lonely. of them just, just got... Respond to well, us. Or, or, or did they change the NBA logo? No, it's never going to change. Okay, it's always so, going to be Jerry. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like they changed one of the logos, but okay, go on. Anyway. Well, Baldwin says he's worried about his family. He's worried about losing everything. And there were like four or five things. He just, if he'd made an adjustment here and made a little bit differently there, it would all turn out completely different. Well, DeLorean was clearly a fast mover at GM in the early 70s. Now, we check in with Tamir. He's the DeLorean historian. And he says, whoever makes the most <laughs> at GM is the most important person. Yeah. And everything he touched turned to gold. Yeah. So by the time John reaches the 14th floor, better known as the uh, executive level, he's in his mid-40s. And all he's got to do is play his cards right, and he's poised to be the next president of GM the largest corporation in the world at that time. Wow. That's pretty fascinating to think about. That's crazy to think about a cokehead. It could have been is one step removed from being uh -huh. fucking an alleged cokehead. But think about it as well. It's like now the major companies are the Apples, the Googles, the, you know, Tesla is, is close, but a major car company isn't even in, well, I guess it's in the top eight if you want to count Tesla because they're, they're ranked around eight. So you figure... You know, these companies like Tesla, I want to say, let's just ballpark it at 700 billion. I know Toyota's worth around 200 billion. Ford and GM, they're probably in like the 50 to 75 billion range. But this God, is the echelon. Twitter is worth more than them. This is the echelon. Okay. Twitter's not worth more than them. Not well, anymore. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's a, to spend 60 billion on Twitter. I think you paid 45. Oh, anyway, it's probably worth 20. Yeah. I mean, but think about that, man. The no, biggest, the, the best, more than that. of course, the best job so in the world make your own phones. is the head of GM. Okay. And that's what's coming next, right? Elon's going to try and make his own phone. Uh, yeah. Well, Apple's going to start making cars, too. <laughs> so. so This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> I know. There's going to be five companies in uh, 10 years. Hey, that's fine with me because that's where all my money's in. I'm in all, I'm in all the big shit. I mean, it's literally an idiocracy. Yeah. 
Apple's going to buy Disney, which that deal's going to be coming soon. Yep. And then you've got um, uh, Google, who's the government's trying to split up. Yes. And then fine uh, with me. The shares will go up, buddy. Same thing happened to Standard Oil. So anyway, we're getting off topic. That's why Google's not fucking, they're not interfering in much now because they're like, all right, let's just stay off of everybody's radar. Well, all right, let's go. GM was very intentional on making executives colorless, and DeLorean was an extremely technicolor person. Now, we see proof of this because we see 38 white men sitting at a table together, okay? And they're all wearing the exact same suit. Yeah. Tweed. Well, Patrick Wright, <laughs> he says, he, John was different. He wore open collars, okay? He had sideburns. He spent his weekends in California. And, you know, what an evil influence California is. Yeah. He gets significant plastic surgery on his face uh, to give himself a, a, a square, stronger jaw. Oh, no. He starts li- lifting weights. Yeah. You know, putting on some muscle. He put on, he did plastic surgery? I know. It was weird. He and his first wife separated, and then he started dating a young actress. Of course. He's dating models, women much younger than him. And a lot of GM executives you know, and their wives thought this was completely age inappropriate. Well, did you know this, Dave? He scored the first Bond girl, Ursula Andress. Wow. Do you ever, cool. you ever see Dr. No? Mm, no. Yeah, he dated Ursula. Can't do- <laughs> No. Well, John says in an interview, I have a reasonably strong sex drive, which I happen to think is an it's important... because of all the... Should I take and all the injections I make in my ass? I, I think that's important for any guy. The to poppers have. don't help either. No man who has ever accomplished something didn't have that one characteristic. Mm-hmm. He's right. I mean, I mean, look at us. Yeah. I mean, except for Hitler, Hitler was a pussy. He was and a vegetarian. Yeah, fucking little fucking well, painting his little pictures and shit. He married. <laughs> bitch. He married a second wife, Kelly Harmon. Hell yeah. She was 19 years old. Hell okay. yeah. So Hopefully she's related to Heather Harmon, the blowjob queen. Related to Mark Harmon oh. from summer school fame cool. and NCIS. He's one of the CISs. So the GM uh, HR department or PR department, rather, they actually change her date of birth and add a few years to her on her press releases after he gets married. Why? Because... They're like, we don't want our one of our biggest executives to look like he's dating a nineteen year old. And then they make it what twenty four. They didn't say the exact age, but uh, apparently that was something they did back then. Yeah. So they moved to Detroit. You're making me twenty four. That means when I'm thirty, I'm going to be thirty five. They moved to Detroit, and they're there for a couple of years, and then she's just like, I'm out. And then before you know it, he marries Christina Farrar. Okay. We obviously know who that is. Which one's that? She was the biggest Batman? supermodel uh, super in the world. Uh, okay. Christina Ferrar. Right? Not, not Batman. What's the other? Batman? Batwoman? Batgirl? Bat- who are you thinking played Batgirl? Alicia Silverstone? No, no, no. Back in the day. Back in the day? Like what, in the from goofy. the TV show? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know who played Batgirl. I don't know. There. Somebody, I don't know. She was okay. hot, though. Anyway. So uh, he's starting to get. Back when they had Chola eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The masks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that shit. So he starts making it into fashion magazines, and he's getting his image enhanced outside yeah, of the he's company. Severely dripping. 
And, you know, it created a lot of problems. Well, GM can't stand this and they're getting pissed. Why? And it, because they're suits, bro. They don't want, they don't want flashy don't like image. money. What's that? But they don't like money. They love money. Well, and he's making them a ton. Well, and John's going in saying, shut the why fuck do you, up. Exactly. He does that. He says, why do you, what are you worried about? Look at the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> he literally goes in I and mean, he says, literally the American dream. Nobody stay out of my fucking lane, yeah, you old doggy. timers. Well, Pontiac. I fucking love him. And Chevrolet. He's making a killing for him. And all the uh, executives, they're upset. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you guys. He's like, if we're not happy with this, you're not going to be happy with anything. He's like, I'm fattening up your bonus checks. Yeah. You know, like when they, you ever heard the term off the charts? Yeah. You know where it originates from? (laughs) Don't tell me from DeLorean. No, but I mean, I didn't even realize it, but they show the chart and it's a 45 degree line going up and it goes on the chart. Well, DeLorean takes his pen and finishes it and keeps going off the chart. Yeah. You know, he's cranking it. Well, we see some imported cars coming in off the boat and they're little tiny cars. They're like the Volkswagen Beetles, you know, and according to Patrick Wright, one of the tragic flaws of GM um, is that you know the company was too willing to do what it was doing after year after year because it was working okay and they were ignoring the small import car market all right now these imports they were smaller more fuel efficient better quality and John knew that the writing was on the wall so we see John in an older uh, interview, and he says, obviously, I saw the trends were clearly, and I wanted to react to them a little bit, and perhaps more aggressively than the other members of the industry might have. Well, he's got big aspirations. He wants to stay at GM. He wants to be president. He wanted to do these things and take the company in the directions that they weren't willing to go. Instead, he fucked it all up. Because they were so comfortable being the fat cats all right, yeah. the number one car company in the world. And that led him to John's own demise. So what happens is all these executives, they resent him. And there was a guy named Roger Kais there that he pissed off. And DeLorean was like, you know, I think he considered me uh, capricious and superficial, and I considered him a pompous ass. Well, all these enemies, they slowly build up a cabal, okay, mm-hmm. against DeLorean. <sighs> They don't and, do that in politics either. No, of course not. Well, then in 72, they were like, John, you got to put a speech together about our quality. And it's referred to as the infamous Green Briar speech. Well, GM, what they would do is they pre-read all the speeches in advance. And they noticed that the speech that John wrote criticized the quality of the cars and criticized executives and some of his own bosses, and they censored all that and wouldn't let him say it in the speech. So John is like, well, I'm not going to let this rest. So we see another reenactment with John eating lunch with a suit, and he's like, well, uh, that's the one I'm actually giving at Greenbrier on Saturday. This is the speech I should be giving. What I should be saying is here, somewhere buried like Kai's once, and then... His buddy Roy says, you think this is personal then? And he says, oh, sure, it's personal. 
I wonder how much longer I can do this dance. I mean, at this rate, it'll be 10 years of me pushing papers that I didn't write before I'm named president, and that's not going to work at all. Well, any thoughts on how you might accelerate that? As a matter of fact, yes. I've got a few ideas. Yeah, if this original speech were to be leaked, yeah, there would be some blowback. Sure. Uh, this guy's fucking CIA, for sure. Uh-huh. But I would be vindicated. DeLorean, <laughs> piece of shit. Well... This, I don't like this guy anymore. Well, he's, this is the duality of man we're talking about, bro. Nah, I'm just... Well, in this particular si- cool, situation, what situation. he wants is that for the public mm-hmm. and the press to s- see this speech and shame GM and yeah. push GM in the direction that he wants to take him. And he feels like, well, if I call these people out, this they're all going to love me. Yeah. And then I'm going to become president even faster. Well, he leaks the, the speech to the press, and it's all over the news that DeLorean is extremely critical of GM. Mm-hmm. And once it hits the press, it's GM quality lags, DeLorean says. GM needs better quality control, DeLorean says. GM officials warned about quality control. Well, DeLorean claimed his enemies had leaked these speeches out. Because it became apparent that people close to DeLorean had actually leaked the speeches out. Wow. Now, you got to remember, this is a person who was rewarded for taking big risks, dangerous moves. This one did not work. So DeLorean gets booted, Uh all right, by the board, and they force him out in 73. Now, he's ejected from the company in what would have been an extremely embarrassing event. However, he does find a way to make his exit look heroic. And again, this guy was a master of press. He must have, and shit. He must have just had so many inside you know, contacts in the press. Yeah. And <laughs> we see it spawn into DeLorean has to go his own way, basically. You can go your own way. Mm-hmm. And GM's too conservative. And then we see him interviewed in the beach. Again, he's got his fucking abs. Hold on. He's a mad man. Okay. He's a man. He's a man. He's got his abs out on the beach. Why? Because I'm a man. Okay. <laughs> Presence is for you. <laughs> I'm an Amazon man. <laughs> I, I can carry a whole tribe of women on my back through the forest with a machete. <laughs> okay. Now that's not possible. So anyway. We see him on the beach, and he's sketching away. And we see a notepad that looks remarkably similar to the DeLorean that we all know and love. From what movie, Dave? Back to the the future. All right, correct. Well, John says, being fired or being one-seventh or one-tenth of some committee is a very unappealing thing to me. Obviously, it was very rewarding financially, and it would have been easy to sit there for another 17 years collecting a, you know, half a million or three quarters of a million dollars a year, but that didn't really appeal to me much. Well, a full career means another 15 years. Yeah. What's he going to do? He's going to count beans, all right? He didn't want to do that. You know, compared to, like, creating cool products like GTOs, it's completely different, and there's no way. John DeLorean would have lasted to age 65. Well, we're going to go and do another reenactment, okay? (laughs) So we see 
Baldwin there. And he says, I've got another car, <laughs> a stainless steel car. <laughs> You're going to be crazy about it. Yeah. GM executive. Yeah, okay, good luck with that, John. Well, we go back to the sketch on the yellow lined paper of the DeLorean. It's got all the measurements down to the, you know, centimeters, all that stuff. And according to J. Patrick Wright, in the back of his mind, this concept car was always stirring what he called an ethical car. He was like, oh. he was the fucking, was a fucking Elon before Elon. Yeah, he's a fucking yuppie. He not says, not yuppie, hippie. He says, oh, we're talking a, a sports racing car here. It's going to be designed to have an eternal life. So uh, we're using non-corrosive material, so it'll just stay together forever and ever. Wow. So it's going to be very beautiful uh, aesthetically. Well, Tamir, the DeLorean store, he says he wanted to build a sophisticated, contemporary-looking sports car for the masses. That wasn't the norm. You know, if you're going to get something that's that exotic or interesting, you're going to have to go to Ferrari or a Lamborghini, where they only make a couple hundred of these a year. Just got on the waiting list. <laughs> Uh, so he's trying to do something revolutionary. <laughs> so he's got, he's trying to, it's a Papa show. Yeah, I know. He's I know. trying to make a mass produced car. And the problem is he's got to compete with the big boys. Well, that's difficult. And as we know, it's extremely impossible to start up a car company almost. And, you know, the only name that was comparable to doing it back then was Chrysler in the twenties. And Chrysler went through bankruptcy. So, you know, you're not going to do this unless you risk it all. So uh, next we see newspaper articles like newcomers keep trying, but going is tough. And Walter P. Chrysler, the man behind the name. And DeLorean aims higher than ivory tower at GM. GM defector builds cars to last 25 years and auto maverick challenges GM again. Well, when he left GM, he was forced to leave, as we've talked about. But that became his driving force for motivation. He wanted to show him, you know, and it was part of his dream and part revenge. So we see another article that's titled The Dream Car of John DeLorean. The hotshot engineer calls the car the DMC-12. And GM wouldn't let him build it, so he's going to go ahead and do it on its own. Sweet revenge. <sighs> so... We see a reenactment with uh, John and his chief engineer, who was one of his best friends at GM, Bill Collins. There it is. What we always talked about. What do you think about being named the head of the entire product program for the most mass-produced car since Chrysler? Well, I mean, obviously I'm flattered, but no buts, Bill. I'm not flattering you. This is what you and I were built for. This is real innovation. Does innovation include a pension? Who's asking? <laughs> My wife. Well, you tell Nina that the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Besides, this finally puts you in the driver's seat. And you've got the money for all this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got several sources of uh, initial investment. You talk to the wife. Well, Bill says, I probably thought about it. And my wife would say, you probably shouldn't have done it, having been at GM where the money was never a problem. You know, you were sort of gambling and you hoped this was going to work out. Well, it's time to meet Bob Mannion. He's an engineer with the DeLorean Motor Company. He says the company really has its founding in two people. You got John and you got Bill. Well, Bill 
never strive for glory. He didn't have a, an ego, and he didn't need his name on the product. He was always behind the scenes, but he was the guy who made DeLorean look good many times. And Bill says, I think from the beginning, John's major concern was fundraising. So my objective was to go out and build a prototype. And we see him in the lab. And he actually makes a prototype out of balsa wood. You know, it's very impressive. But I didn't know they went that hardcore when they were, you know, doing these mock-ups or whatever. So Bob says... Maybe they have clay and stuff too, even. Yeah, well, I've seen the clay ones. I've never seen them in wood. Balsa, that's how they said fucking do that shit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How do they do it now? Clay? No, it's all computers, right? Uh, Anyway, what is it, CAD? AutoCAD, CAD... So several different variations of CAD. Well, it's Bill's baby is the point, Bob says. He says, I mean, if there was an issue that had anything to do with the car, Bill was the guy leading the charge. And that played out for three years of the project. When we finished the first prototype, it was a huge event because now we could say, uh, this isn't, you know, something you dream of or any kind of fakery. This is the real McCoy or the real McFly, if you will. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't tell me they say that in the no, show. No, I said that. <laughs> I, said that. Okay. I was about to give this zero dockings. Well, Bill says, we hadn't solved all the engineering problems, but it was exciting. It turned out to be a great car. And uh, John's secretary says, you know, it was electrifying to be a part of this whole thing. Well, we see the prototype, stainless steel, the going doors, hatchback design. And to be honest, if you look at it and compare it to other cars, it's pretty innovating for its time. Yeah, I mean, it has an interesting shape. and Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, wouldn't, I would say that the Cybertruck is more drastic shape-wise now in comparison. You yeah, know? it's very angular. We're used to smooth edges, rounded. And yeah. and We, we all, went away from the boxy a little bit, and now we're going back to the boxy. Well, in the late 60s, as you may or may not know, that was an innovative time in design. Because we started seeing elements of space yeah. and fins, mm. you know, and that was, that was really a product of the, the space race, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're seeing all that, that crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, all that filming and they had to do. Yeah, exactly. And set building with balsa wood. Time mm-hmm. to meet Jerry Williamson. He mm-hmm. is the uh, special projects manager of the DeLorean Motor Company. He says, right. we were basically a company with no foundation. And the less you have to secure an investment, the more risky you are to an investor. And we were pretty risky. Our asset was John's background experience. Um, So he really had to know initially what we're selling. And you have to portray him as being on top of the mountain, being adored as the world savior of the auto industry. Uh, So we would do these setups, you know, we'd go to shows. And then at the precise moment, DeLorean would come in and we'd actually see the man, and it looked like he was levitating. Wow. So let's go to a dealership association presentation in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. Well, we see John, and he's given a presentation on the DMC-12 titled A Man in His Car, and then it transitions into the reenactment scene with Baldwin. Most of you have already seen my lovely wife, Christina, I know she's likely the real reason you're here all tonight. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I have to thank her, along with many others in particular. I'd like to recognize the man I handpicked, essentially stole from GM to head up the entire DeLorean Motor Company. Perhaps the most finest engineer I've 
ever met in my entire life, Mr. Bill Collins. I know that we may be and the now new... now to sing for him, Mr. <laughs> Phil Collins. <laughs> There's something in the air tonight, people. <laughs> yeah, I got I that can one. feel it in the air tonight. Uh, I love that song in Lion King. It's not. It's That was a... I've never seen the Lion King. Here you go. I'm going to say something that's not popular. I mean, you don't watch animated movies. You were 30 years old when it came out. Shut up. I mean, what is it? I did work the premiere on Broadway. Animations don't come out when you're a child. I just like it was projection style flipping things. Yeah. Yeah. Like those uh, smut. I know. Uh, Viewfinders, Dave. <laughs> it's like a super microfiche. Anyway. Uh, I, know, good times. I know that we're the new kid on the block, but I also know this. The bicentennial of the American Revolution. What year, Dave? In the bicentennial? Yeah. It's uh, uh, 90, 1990, 1976. You, wow, you struggled for a minute. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that uh, on this, the bicentennial. Wow, I wonder if I'll live for the tricentennial. You won't. I mean, 76, I'm 2076. Do, how many times are you going to make me do this line? Uh, I mean, it's only, you know, we're, we're about 50 years away. I can make it. I know that we may be the new boy on the block, but I also know this, that on the bicentennial of the American Revolution, we can start making our version of the American dream a reality. Allow me to introduce the first incarnation in the evolution of my dream. I'll make it to 90. <laughs> You're still going. <laughs> I'll make it to 90. Our first vehicle, codenamed the DMC-12, the DeLorean Motor Company car. They do that classic thing where they pull off the, the yeah, sheet. Yeah, the sheet. Yeah. And <gasps> cameras are flashing. The gold wing doors automatically yeah. open in its yeah. upward fashion. Yep. Wow. Then nobody knew about the doors, huh? I don't think so. Wow. So people had described it as uh, as a significant as the invention of the Ford Model A. This was going to be the car that changed everything. Now, I guess we're going to say. I remember my cousin's car breaking down a lot. <laughs> His DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, keep in mind. I don't know though. I'm just. He probably joking. couldn't get parts for it. <clears throat> uh, I'm just joking. I, I don't know. Yeah, that was always one thing too, right? It's like. The thing about DeLoreans. Same thing with like Fiat. It's like impossible to get. Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like Louis got that one thing where he talks about it. He's like, what do you mean Fiat? Read the, not, not, not Louis. Um, Larry David. He goes, read, read the thing about the Fiat? No. I mean, come on. It's a car. How can they make bad cars? It's a car. I'm not going to read the consumer report on it. Yeah. Bad mouth. <clears throat> yeah. Well, at this point, we meet his son, Zach DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny? It's not a real name. Zach DeLorean. What's his, his brother's name? Well, he's in front of a DeLorean in the <laughs> present DeLorean. day outside. <laughs> I don't think I've ever sat in one of these probably since my dad had one on the farm. Oh, God. There's not much of a tie for me to this car as much as people would oh, think. Oh, he lost all his money. He's all bitter. I don't know if that makes sense. Being young, when this car was built, you just don't understand the magnitude and the gravity of it. 
You know, it's flying over your head at a thousand miles an hour, and you know, it's 88 like eighty eight miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my dad built that car. You know, it's got our name on it. I mean, when I'm yeah. in it, I see my father. I feel my dad. Oh God! Between me and this car. I think it's a love-hate relationship probably. Half the time, I don't even know what to think of it, you know. To be honest with you, probably the closest person I've ever been close to my whole fucking life was my father. Oh, God, I hate this guy already. He adopted me when I was two weeks old. Oh, no. (laughs) Dumpster baby complaining about being a DeLorean? Get out of here, dude. As far as, dude, this guy, he he looks shell-shocked. He's probably in his mid forties, late forties. Oh, he's got a full beard. Yeah, he's got a fat. No, okay, very fit looking, but skinny, gaunt. Okay, (laughs) not ghoulish, not ghoulish, but he's got like you know he's got a beanie cap on. Okay, and he's like as far as the DeLorean and the DeLorean (laughs) Motor Company, you know, it was just dad going to work. Dad's building the car. I knew how famous he was. No clue how famous my mom was i think we moved to new york i don't know somewhere in 74 because my sister was born in 77 well we made a sister throughout my life i've understood that there was this man john delorean and with this man john delorean came this history of all the things are you know again iconically encompassed by the car and there was my dad and i understood that there were two different people when I was little, my dad was at the peak of everything. There are pictures of us. And I used to say, it's the royal family. My mom was always so perfect and put together. And my brother always in his perfect little suit. My dad was my best friend. He taught me everything. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to drive. He taught me how to ride a motorcycle. Back to Zach. This is everything he had been working for. This was his dream. I mean, being married to my mom... Having a family, an apartment on Fifth Avenue, uh, buying a farm out in Jersey, having a car company, that was probably the best time of his life. Well, Baldwin, he pulls up a picture of the family portrait of like the perfect family, the dogs in there, you know, and he's like, can you, can you see this well? Is this lift enough for you? Because I mean, I don't, I'm a firm believer that this can't be faked. You know, look at him. How happy he is. I don't know. She seems happy. But she's a kid. They're always fairly happy as a rule. Yeah. But look at how happy he is himself. The subject of the film. I don't think... I don't think he's very happy. And I have a picture of my family, and I'm a couple years older than my wife, than he is from his wife. So I get this. I get this. And the problem is he wanted both. And when you want both... You can have both, but that's very tough to do. Well, we see Christina on a talk show, and the talk show host says, Christina, have you been married to this man for seven years? No, you've been married to this man. Tell me about John. Well, I unfortunately, <laughs> for everyone else, all of our friends, they, they don't know John the way I do. And if they did, well, that may be better, right? No, no, let, let, let me be more specific about it because most people know John as a businessman and an executive, but I know him as a husband and a loving father, and he's totally unselfish, gentle, just a giving human being. I grew up and married Prince Charming. Mm. Really? That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, John, describe her to me. <laughs> yeah, of course. It would take days. 
I never in my wildest dreams ever believed that my life could be so complete and so happy. <laughs> and uh, there's any kind of family crisis, she suddenly becomes the rock of Gibraltar. She's just stable, solid. You yeah. know, yeah. our relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, we see a reenactment. Yeah, I went out on the weekends and did coke and hookers. <laughs> and and adultered. <laughs> and she stayed home and watched my adopted son. We see John and Christina in one of these reenactments. And, you know, Baldwin's playing the part. And he says, eventually the car will get built. But right now I'm Bang. trying to build a brand. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, wrong film. And the wife's like, well, it concerns me. You know, where are we going to take the children? Well, where, wherever we set up shop, we won't have to spend much time there. All that matters <laughs> is which government gives us the most money. It's like a very Brady answer. Wherever you go, there you are. Exactly. <laughs> She's like, well, it matters to me and the kids. Don't worry. It's going to be great for all of us. Trust me. And all of a sudden, we just cut to bombs exploding. Cars blowing up on Whoa. the streets of Northern Ireland wow. in Belfast. Eh. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, a little something called the IRA, Dave. You ever do any history? History yeah. in? Yeah. The Protestants and the Catholics? Wow, still fighting after all these years. Well, this is the, the, the heat of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, 70s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. You think, of, you think it'd be difficult in the 70s to have a heated religious battle, but I guess there was still... Buddy, I don't know if you just turned on the news and saw what was going on last week <laughs> between uh, Hamas and... Uh, uh, have you turned on the news in the last 3,000 years by any chance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he sits down with a woman and she What says, if it's not really about religion, Christopher? What do you think it's about? <laughs> Oil? Blood? Money? It's always about money. No, it's always dude. about power and resources. It's always about one thing and one thing only. Big the cup of Christ. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where is it? They're trying to find it, man. Are it's got really? eternal life. Dude, yeah. We're mixing up our 80s movies Didn't now. Did you ever see, <laughs> see them when they <laughs> I love that pour the water and it heals the bullet wounds <laughs> and shit? Dude, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway. Uh, female the cup of says, why pick Belfast Ireland? Alexandretta. I'm going to do this line three times. Is that yeah, the goal? Fine, if you need to riff, you can riff. <laughs> <laughs> You have chosen poorly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to do a pod? You want to join this podcast? Uh, it's called Down on the Docks. You have chosen poorly. <laughs> By the way, I just saw The Dial of Destiny two nights ago. Oh, you're gay, dude. Dude, I loved it. No. It was good. No. Yeah. No. I hated the fourth one. Okay, the fourth one. <laughs> I can't imagine Shia, Shia LaBeouf being Did you even watch <laughs> Dial of Destiny? I haven't seen either of them. Bro. Is it good? Yeah. Like how good? Well, four. Is it cheesy? Yeah. But okay. you go with it this time because they don't it's, throw it in your face. It's a hot, is the hot daughter to have to do everything? It's not the daughter. What is she? She's the girl from Fleabag. Okay. She plays the god goddaughter in this one. Goddaughter. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. I We're don't, gonna I don't mind kids. taking a quick segue if yeah. it's for a, one of the greatest franchises of all time. Sure. In my sure, opinion, sure, better sure. than the Star Wars franchise. Sure. Okay. Sure. Raiders of the Lost. Especially Ark. now. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Amazing. A perfect film. Sure. Okay. Good Indiana. Perfect. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Sure. One of my greatest <laughs> memories. Perfect as a racism. Child. Yes. <laughs> perfect amount of they racism. They blew it with the gross out factor. The story was weak. It is not a, a bad film. It's not a great film. It's a mediocre sure. film. Sure. Three. Just a sheer. Just a tick below 
the original yeah. as far as quality. Yeah. But just a perfect film. One and three perfect. Four, w- Lucas with the fucking crystal heads and shit. I don't know what's going on. Sheer there. crap. Okay? <laughs> garbage. Fucking garbage. But it, but but putting it up against how many stinkers Star Wars has put up already. Exactly. That's why to... there's no comparison. Now, yeah. this Dial of Destiny shit, if we're going to say that one and three are four dockings, it's a solid three. Now, keep in okay. mind, you have to go with the story. With one, you don't have to go with the story because it's so rooted in realism to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Four was like bonkers bananas, you know. Three. What are you doing? Yeah. What, what are you guys fucking up? Yeah, what are you doing? But this is definitely a great film. Okay, so now it's, a, it's not a great film. It's a very good film. So we're back to what are we doing in Ireland, Johnny? Yeah. Well, he says it's simple. Nobody uh, anywhere in the world could come well, up Well, we want to build cars here, but we have to support the gorillas. And that means you have to deal with some seedy characters. You're far from it. Oh, damn it. Nope. Not funding free, free what happened fires is this? in Nicaragua? Nobody could come up with the money except Ireland. Okay? Oh, okay. Now, keep in mind. it's The one country of, the, of Ireland. Well, it's one of the most dangerous places to be on the planet. But Why? they offered them the cash because of, of the, the Christian fucking, War. Well, the snakes, getting the snakes out of Ireland. Yeah, because of the IRA and, you know, the British government. They're, yeah. they're fighting and killing each other. Yeah. All right, time to meet Barry Willis. It's war. Cunt. He is the director of purchasing for DeLorean. He says, I read in the newspapers that John had secured the investment he needed to establish his car project in Northern Ireland against the backdrop of the famous troubles that was rife at the time. Well, Matt Rife. $140 million is what he gets from the British government hmm. um, to support this factory. And their demise of Ireland. <laughs> Perfect you say that, because right as we see this, we see more buses just exploding <laughs> on screen. So you have to remember... You have to be sympathetic to our cause. We're just going to depopulate the area, Tad. We have a male reporter. He says the long civil unrest between Catholics and Protestants scares off industrialists, depriving Northern Ireland of jobs, which it needs more than any area of Britain. Well, let's go to the DeLorean historian. He says unemployment was the same. It was 30 to 40% unemployment. So were these motherfuckers built in Ireland? Yeah. Wow. Of course it failed. So. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking. Inbreeders. <laughs> kind of hard to put a car together when you've got like 12 Guinness in your stomach. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so. There's point. only one way to make a recessive trade a dominant one. How's that? Lots of inbreeding. That is true. Yeah. So it was 30 to, we just lost our Irish contingency. Same. I apologize. You fucking guys. redheads. You fucking redhead. I can't do it. Well, John, what John's whole pitch is, I'm going to bring jobs to the country. Okay. Now, at the time, there's a Labor Party movement in Britain. Yeah. Okay. That I remember. So they're willing. I I remember. I've heard of of it. (laughs) They're willing to put in subsidies in the land. Okay. But here's the catch. This population's never put together a car before. Okay. They got to be taught. There's no pre-existing structures to build a car company. No SOP. Exactly. And at this point, all they have is the prototype. All right? So it's a lot of shit to figure out. So 
enter at this point, a gentleman named Colin Chapman. Now, uh, John, in a vintage interview, he says, probably the finest engineer I've ever met in my life, Colin Chapman, everybody. Now, I'm like, does this, is, this is like his go-to line, the finest engineer I've ever made. His best friend, mm. Bill Collins, was already called that, and then he brings in this Colin Chapman guy. And Colin Chapman was the founder of Lotus Cars, okay? Super popular guy, pioneered Formula One, dominated Formula One. Well, they put this together, this deal with Lotus, and Colin Chapman, as a named individual, to engineer and develop the DeLorean cars that would enter production, okay? Well, Bill says, the idea of working with Lotus sounded like a good idea. We could all work together, you know, become a joint organization, and go finish the product. Well, Bob Mannion, he's an engineer, he says... When I first got to Lotus, I mean, right out of the shoot, it was awkward. I mean, here's Bill and some others I'd spent years with. Keep in mind, they were working on this for three years, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, you guys aren't really involved anymore, okay? We got the dude from Lotus. So that was the friction, okay, that kind of started this whole thing. So we're going to do another reenactment, and... We've got Bill Collins and, you know, he calls up uh, DeLorean and he's like, look, I, so I got the contract here and I got some questions. You've got to hear Lotus, but there's nothing about me. And he's like, oh, Bill, that's just paperwork. <laughs> you know what you're doing. And he's like, yeah, I understand. But I thought we were going to do a collaboration on the redesign. But, you know, Chapman's nowhere to be found. Where's his name? And he's like, well, they're doing lots of R&D, right? And he's like. Well, that's the other thing. There's a company list in here called GPD, and I've never heard it. Oh, you don't worry about that, Bill. It's not going to affect you at all, okay? Uh. And he's like, I don't see how that's possible. There's a hefty line item here on the engineering, but that's what I'm supposed to be doing. It just seems like you're paying twice for the amount, John. Well, it's probably some sort of tax shelter thing. I don't know. I'm not a CPA, but don't you worry, Bill. John, what am I doing here? And it's clear at this point, something is not kosher. Well, Barry Willis, he says, I liked Bill. I think he'd done a tremendous job, but the moment I found him reading the contract, it was quite clear that he'd already decided he was out and Colin Chapman was going to take over. He wasn't going to have this guy Colin looking over his shoulder. And we see in an interview, this Colin Chapman guy, in the interview is like, you got to be ruthless in this business, don't you? And he's like, um... I don't think you have to be ruthless. I think you have to be prepared to make some unpalatable decisions huh. at times, because frequently you're faced with making a decision between your two evils, and you're going to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this guy's kind of creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Tamir says it becomes clear to Bill and his engineers they don't have jobs anymore, Okay. Uh -huh. And there's something fishy going on with the finances. And Colin Chapman was going to be willing to do the things that Bill never would have been comfortable with. And as for John, I think that was important. And the very reason they struck up the partnership. And it was the type of thing that was so important to him that he was willing to sacrifice Bill. Ireland. Well, Bill in the present day, he says... Uh, we, we go to his house. He's got a dull old DeLorean. 
Hmm. And it's in his garage. And he reads his resignation letter. And Aww. it's kind of heartfelt. And the interviewer's like, wait a minute. So DeLorean didn't even ask you to come back or reconsider? And he's like, no, no. Huh. And he says an interesting line. He says, we're all males. But there's something to be said about being the guy that's sort of the guy that bore the baby, as it were, the DMC-12. <laughs> He's the fucking beta bitch. <laughs> he fucking <laughs> John fucked up and he added DeLorean. Dave, it's time to meet documentary filmmaker Chris Hedges. Mm-hmm. Ever hear of her? I bet he's not. Oh, I bet she's not a beta. Uh, actually, if she's a she, then yeah, maybe she is. Anyway. Beta. She, she says, before we started filming, we knew yeah. nothing about John DeLorean. Well, we now learn. Does it seem like uh, good research on her behalf? Well, we're going to give her a pass here, Dave. She's got a reason. She <laughs> says we learn as an audience here that Hedges and her partner, D.A. Pennebaker, you might have heard of him, Nope. made a documentary film on John in the early 80s. Wow. And she says we basically came to the project because a British television station wanted us to do something on Ireland. And D.A. was like, and I was thinking, oh, boy, we're going to do a wonderful piece on Yates. Of course Who's you don't. Uh, Dave, have you ever read any poetry in no, your life? No. Pretty uncultured uh, degenerate. Okay. Well, DA says they said, no, no, no. We want it to be about automobiles because everybody in England England is crazy about cars. Well, Chris says, like most of our films, you know, the idea was to kind of watch somebody who wants to fulfill a dream, and John was perfect for that. Well, John Zachary DeLorean certainly doesn't smile much. The reason is simple. The most important project in his life has yet to be accomplished. Mm. Well, DA says and describes him as guarded because he had so many things on his mind and he was trying to figure things out all the time. And we see some, uh, some, some of these vintage pieces that uh, Hedges and Pennebaker cut from their film. And DeLorean says, well, we've had some criticism Right from day one, uh, we're never going to get the program together. We're never going to get the financing. Uh, we never get the plant built. And we meet some of these employees, and uh, they're cheery. I don't think the mobile manufacturer industries, whether it be America, UK, mainland, actually ever thought it could be done. Hmm. I don't know if that's my Cockney or my Irish. I don't know. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, DeLorean says, well, now the critics are forecasting our failure two or three years from now. So I think as long as you can always keep your failure two or three years in the future, you're probably going to do okay. Isn't that how Wall Street works? I guess. Yeah. Um, another guy says, I think DeLorean's problem was at the time he needed cars and he needed them in a hurry. And John says, you got to pick the three or four big markets and go after them. We can't wait 14 months to start selling. So he's under this immense pressure to crank out product. Right. And keep in mind, they'd spent three years in development and then they go to Ireland and he just turns on the printing presses and Mm -hmm. cranks out cars. Yeah, yeah, good. So um, we see him in a board meeting and they're like, well, we got problems. Upper control arm, ball joint, torsion rod failure at 41,000 cycles. And they just keep running into problems. Every time, you know, there's a new batch of cars. Um, But keep in mind, they're also creating a very unique environment with the British workers 
and yep. the Irish workers. Ah, and camaraderie. They set, right, and they <clears throat> set their differences aside. There's no Protestant divide. There's no Catholic divide. So that's kind of cool, you know. Um, it's because everyday people don't care about that shit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you got to remember, this is a war. People were dying. Over yeah, this. but it's a government war, banking war. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. Come on. Well, anyway, two years and 11 months after they built the factory, they had the car. And all these people are just having a great time doing it. You know, all these people, they're smiling, they're happy. And DA says, when the first six cars come rolling out, the, all the news crews are there. And John was literally the biggest hero in Northern Ireland. Ireland. Um, and he says it's incredible that they actually managed to get 3,500 cars under the boat. Uh, so and we see them on the boat. It's pretty impressive. They're just covered. And it's big news in the U.S. All these cars are starting to come in. And, you know, everything's going good. And October 81 rolls around. And we're looking at a recession here. Okay, yeah. it's a bad time to be selling cars. It's like cars. that fucking what's that movie with the Michael Keaton? Oh, Gung Ho, Gung Ho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put their their their. Or was the best defense? <clears throat> no, no, Gung Ho, Gung okay. Ho. That's they put their stuff aside to get it get the job done. Well, you know, it's hard to sell anything in you know a financial collapse. Imagine a Japanese motor company coming to the United States to have their cars built and. Uh, don't we do that now? No, I know that, but I'm just saying that like back then. Oh, back then. It was like a big deal. Well, one of the DeLorean bio biographies, he says, the cars come off the boat and they're just a product warranty nightmare. Like doors aren't closing. You know, gaps are all wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of yeah. called it earlier. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the window wipers don't work. Yeah. The door mechanism won't work. One of the guys is like, I got locked in the car myself. I couldn't get out. <laughs> If only uh, if it was only for me lucky charms, I wouldn't have gone now. <laughs> you can't even use the jaws of life on it because it's stainless steel. Right. <clears throat> so the reviews come out and car and driver doesn't like it. It costs more than a Corvette. It doesn't handle well and it's slow. Okay. It wasn't this fuel efficient car, high performance that he'd promised. So... The dream starts fading. Sales are down <laughs> and people are dissatisfied. Yeah. And Tamir says, in a scenario where there's a few thousand cars coming to the U.S., there's these quality control issues. The lesson that should have been learned from this is let's just pump the brakes, slow down production, figure out a way to work out all these issues. And John did the opposite. He just pulled the trigger and basically doubled down on production. So they're backing up on the docks like plague rats. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we see these rows of cars, and they're just getting dirtier and dustier oh, no. on the docks. Yeah, my cousin was bought one, got one back in the day. Oh, that's where I probably got a deal on it. <laughs> probably. probably had a rat in the trunk. Maybe, maybe. So Tamir says it was the wrong move. You know, why did he do this? Well, it turns out it was a typical John move because he saw a little angle in the contract where if you upped the amount of people that were working that would increase jobs, then the government's going to give them even more cash. Mm -hmm. But Don's like, anybody that does deals with the government, you got to know that's a huge risk. I mean, what if the politics change? Okay. What if there's a new administration? Well, time to enter Margaret Thatcher. 
Ah, ding dong, the witch is dead. Do you know who she is, Dave? Yes. Who is she? She's a prime minister of, uh, what was it called? Britain? Yeah. Okay. I don't really know what it's called. Either would be impossible for the this exercise. Everybody hated her. Well, you got to remember, the Labor Party's gone. She's a conservative. She's a Terry. And a Tory. They, she's she, a Tory? Yeah, she's a Tory. I don't know what that means. What's yeah. a Tory? That's what they call the conservatives over there. Oh, okay. Well, they could just cut off the cord. Yeah, they're like, fuck you. They're like, the money, the printing press is over. Yeah. So your cars or get the fuck out. Yeah. So DeLorean wants another $76 billion. <laughs> and if not, there's going to be massive layoffs. And DeLorean says, I don't care about the British taxpayers' money or my own money. I think the most important thing is we have some people there that it's a very important part of their life, you know, and they shouldn't be permitted to interfere with it. Well, he obviously overestimated the fact that he created jobs, okay? Yeah. And he thought that's what was going to keep him afloat. And Margaret Thatcher saw it a completely different way. So... We're going to go to a potential investor speaking with John in September of 1982. It's on audio. Well, we've got a group right now that's uh, got a 30 million. You know, we've got even more than that coming in. Well, during this whole process, John's backup or back, excuse me, is totally against the wall. And he's got to figure out a way to pay the Brits back. Okay. And also come up with a plan that's feasible. To now, keep has the, the movie co- already come out at this point? There's still no movie, bro. There's still no Back to the Future? Oh, no, it's 82. So, yeah. So, not yet. No. <laughs> I see what you're saying. That, would be, that, that probably would have helped. I'm curious. Well, I mean, this, Dude, this think talk- about history, how it could change that quickly. I mean. Had they fucking, <clears throat> if Bob Gale had written this novel or screenplay, Three years earlier. Yeah. It could have changed the course of history, Oh, dude. like a fucking... Like Just a like time, Back to the Future. Uh, like Time's time. a flat circle, what bro. What do they call it? What is it? The time, space-time continuum. continuum. Right. Kontinsky, So, dude. anyway. All right. Things aren't going well. But, like... I. So he can't even stay afloat for two more years for the movie to come out to see a little bump in sales? Dude, they didn't even, he didn't even know about the movie at this point. Yeah. The movie's not even in pre-production. I like where you're going here, yeah, thinking, but the movie didn't have anything to do with it. Nothing at, this at point. all, huh? Jesus. Yeah. I, hope so, it, I wonder if it helped sales at or was like the company bankrupt by the company was over oh, already spoiler, by yeah, spoiler oh, alert fuck, spoiler alert so no wonder they used that because the the, the company was dead nobody could sue them. probably wow it's yeah. that's crazy because they can't use a ford they can't they had to use something oh, i'm that's, sure any of those companies would have given product that's placement. not true you don't think so no yeah i don't think so well, definitely not the... Um, I'm not saying, like, it wouldn't happen. I'm just saying yeah. I don't think that, like, just nobody... knew. I don't think anybody knew that movie was going to be what it was. Well, speaking of car flops, I want to go off topic a little bit. I don't know. Because they had already changed the actor. Like, there was some, a, lot of, a lot of issues with that movie. Yeah, keep in mind. We're still... We're not even... I don't even think Bob wrote the script yet at this point. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about That's a couple hilarious. couple famous flops. Um, you're aware of the Edsel? That's no. all. The Etzel was... The full. only flop I'm aware of is the Reliant, Reliant Robin. 
I don't know about the Reliant Robin. That's the three three wheeled car, but the <laughs> oh. third wheels in the front. You're thinking. I think you're talking about. Well, that was also. Uh, there was a. One, it just goes on its side. There was called the Dale. That was a three year, three wheeler car. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever yeah. fucking seen in my life is this episode of Grand Tour, or it's the other one. It's the one that you know the the fat British guy with the no, two short. I don't watch reality shows. It's I watch not, documentaries. It's, it's, a, it's not a reality show. It's like I mean I guess it is. It's like a. It's those three Brits <clears throat> that the drive, cake, the guys they, that make they, the cupcakes. They drive around. No, they they drive different cars. They <laughs> oh, do like their little fast. Run. I think now I it's know. called Grand Tour. But Dude, I guarantee you, called, the people listening to this are losing their minds yeah. saying, "Spit it out!" Here's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, um, I'll find out the name of it right yeah. now. But uh, one of the funniest fucking clips I've ever seen in my life is like them talking about the Reliant Robin. Yeah. And then seeing it come down this fucking hill and just eat shit yeah. <laughs> while he's driving well, is one of the funniest two things, fucking things I've ever Two seen. things I want to mention. Uh, I'll stay on this. There was that three-wheeled car. There was a woman that came out with, the, with this car, and it was three wheels. It had one in the front, two in the back, and they just did a documentary on HBO about it. It's called The Lady in the Dale. Well, okay. it turns out she was a transvestite or transsexual. She was a cross-dresser. And okay. everybody, she pretended to be a man oh. because she figured if I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be more successful, like DeLorean probably, to sell this car, this three fucking wheeled car, I'm going to have to pretend to be a man. And it was a huge thing. That's hilarious. We might cover it on the show if Good. I can get a script. Now, back to the- Top Gear. Top Gear, yes. Top Gear. So back to the flops. Edsel, uh, Henry Ford's son was named Edsel. So he makes a car, calls it the Edsel. Huge flop. And then the other one I know about is the Chevy Nova. Mm -hmm. Chevy Nova, yes. And you remember why it was a flop? Why was it a flop? Because Nova in Spanish means no go. Oh, no. <laughs> so Nova. They were going Nova like for the stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. the Hispanic population is, I'm not buying a car that's no, no go. go. <laughs> no go. No go. No go. <laughs> no go. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go to a reenactment in October of 1982. And we got some bad news coming. Okay. Now, <sighs> mail reporter. John DeLorean was arrested yesterday after he met with undercover drug agents who DeLorean apparently thought were going to help him make a huge profit in a cocaine deal involving more than 100 kilos of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. DeLorean's wife, Christina Farrar, an actress and model, arrived at Los Angeles early this morning. Well, this breaks to the company, and everybody's like, what the fuck? Everybody's in shock. And all of a sudden, John DeLorean's on national television, he's handcuffed, and he's going to jail. And one of the reporters says, DeLorean may be the perfect proof of the old saying, the bigger they come, the harder they fall, and might we add, the more people want to hear about it. So we see the cops on TV. They're like, he was uh, expressing an interest in financing some type of operation that would produce quickly large sums of money on return from the investment. And as all cops do, what do they do when they bust somebody? They show the pile of drugs on TV. Mm -hmm. They do like the fucking the <laughs> yeah. Shawn Michaels doing the muscle thing. Yep. Fucking so we see a strong man competition. We see they it. hold their guns up with it. We see the suitcase. They got it's, the dog in front. It's full of fucking bricks of cocaine. Good evening, everybody. This is Tom Brogan. 
<laughs> you love my broke. I know this. Uh, this yeah, is yeah. Sensor, yeah. sensational case involves more than 200 pounds of cocaine, an elaborate un- undercover investigation, the end of the DeLorean car, and much, much more. Well, Time com- Magazine comes out with a headline. Very good one, by the way. The bottom line, busted. DeLorean's shattered dream. Well, uh, Alan, he's one of the factory workers. He basically just says, our angel was gone. You know, um, everybody's, he lifted these people up. They were downtrodden. And we were all sure he was going to come through, but he didn't. And we see interviews of these factory employees. They're out of jobs now. They're all worried about how they're going to get jobs. And, you know, the auctioneers are there, you know, tagging the, the fucking metal machines and all sure. this shit. And it's a really hard time for all these people. Well, more news. After entering a plea of not guilty to all nine drug charges against him, John DeLorean came out of the federal courthouse in Los Angeles with his wife, model Christina Farrar, and the four lawyers who are now putting together his defense. DeLorean said nothing today, but he's reported to have told his lawyers he was desperate to save his company. DeLorean's lawyers are preparing to argue that the government entrapped John DeLorean. Wow. Now, we meet his defense attorney by the name of... We didn't entrap him. All we did was sell him the drugs and set up a buyer to make him think like he was actually buying it. You're not far off. Well, that seems like entrapment. We meet his defense attorney, uh, Howard Weitzman, uh, who will be representing him in the United States versus John DeLorean. And he says, it was the case of the century for that year. Because every year has a case of the century. Trial of the century. So we were the trial of the century in 1984, which I think is a year before. <laughs> 10 years before, 10 no. years before OJ? No, a year before Back to the Future came out. It might have come uh, out in 84, but uh, fuck, yeah. you've really got me on this. Like, what of the fucking timing? Well, the prosecutor, he's a gentleman by the name of uh, Robert Perry. And he says, unless you were there and you said nobody, I mean, I don't mean to yeah. dwell on this real quick. <clears throat> I'm sure we could look it up. Yeah. But it's probably because they don't have to pay anybody anything if they just use the DeLorean. And at the time, it was kind of like a funny reference to just use like this old piece of shit. I think it's because it looked cool. I think because it literally looked Uh, like a superhero car. mm, You know what I mean? I don't know about that. It doesn't. Did you know, by the way, that when Bob Gale wrote the script, it wasn't a car? That was the time machine. <laughs> it was a. It was take a, a guess. Um, was it a bicycle? It was a refrigerator. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now that's think right. about this. I was gonna say. Um, think about this I though. Say, I was thinking treadmill. Kept thinking. Thinking treadmill. about how dangerous that would have been had that actually happened, because kids get locked in shit all the time. Yeah. If they're getting in a refrigerator, they could get locked in. People would have died. Refrigerator is too much like Bill and Ted. Oh, that's a very good point. That's yeah. probably why they changed it. So it had been done. So maybe I'm overreacting and just being maybe being a maybe a, it was Bill and Ted a, that was originally supposed to be a refrigerator. No, wasn't it a phone booth? That was a phone booth. Okay, I think there's a reason that that's why they changed it because they were afraid kids would get killed, that's thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get in a time machine." Time machine, and then they and find little Billy without frozen. oxygen. A week, not even frozen. Yeah, good point. Just without dead. Ox. Because a lot of those things don't have those inside kill switches to get out of, you know, you're locked in. 
Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the trial of the Instead, century. I'm going to get behind my daddy's car and drive at 88 miles an hour. Um, so you got to remember, we see pictures of this. It's packed, dude. People are out there. This is OJ for its day. Yeah. You know, um, they, the nation's captivated. A young entrepreneur started hanging around the courthouse and he was hawking buttons that say John Z. DeLorean cocaine trafficking trial, LA 84. Hell yeah. How many of those would you have bought? Same year as the Olympics. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. That's crazy. So Howard, his defense attorney, he says, our public views these as, you know, if it's the bad guy, you get them. And if it's not the bad guy, get the government. It's all really kind of entertainment for the public. Now, this is great. We see an unknown comedian on clearly what looks like Leno or, you know, the Tonight Show. John DeLorean had some bad news today. The Automobile Association named him Dealer of the Year. Mm. You want to guess who it was? Oh, no. Okay. Think Comedy Store. Okay. Okay. Think not Jerry 80s. Seinfeld. It was not Jerry Seinfeld. Okay, 80s Comedy Store could have been somebody like... Um, uh, uh, um, there's only one. Hicks no, or Hicks the, would never say something like the that. The other guy. What's the other guy's name? Fuck. Kinnison? Kinnison. Nope. Okay. All right. Pryor. No. Come okay. on. I mean, I don't know. White guy. White guy. I mean. Here's the thing. I don't know. I'm 99% sure it was Argus Hamilton. Argus <laughs> Hamilton. Okay. Fuck. You should have said bold cut. I would have gotten it right away. I didn't look at the credits, but hey, I go. By the way. Yeah, I swear to God. Yeah, he just did that joke in the original room last week. This the dealer joke. No, no, I'm just oh, joking. okay. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of coke jokes. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay, he's not Bobby Lee. I'm just joking. Oh wow, zinging, zinging and zanging. Well, uh, the prosecution says a business a businessman down on his luck tries to make money in a dope deal. I mean, that's the John DeLorean that I know. This case was of overwhelming strength. Here's the cocaine, and here's your target. And he's holding up a glass of champagne, toasting everybody. Well, again, we go back to this black and white footage of the drug deal. And then the cops walk in and they fucking bust him. And Howard says, everybody believed that the events were showing John DeLorean in the middle of a drug deal. One of the things I asked the jurors very early on was, would it surprise you if I told you you weren't seeing a drug deal? And just hang on and watch the whole movie. And at the end, you're going to see it isn't what it appeared to be. A real thriller, of course, which it turned out to be. Well, Robert Perry, he says the case starts with a guy named James Hoffman. Hoffman. He was the informant. Uh, now, this is a little tricky, so you're going to want to pay attention to everybody. You I got, got Hoffman, Hoffman written down. In the informant. Okay. Now, he was somebody who had wait, been... Wait, who was Hoffman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just joking>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, he go. was someone who had been a major narcotics trafficker. Okay. okay? Uh-huh. But he got caught. Yeah. So, Why don't you help us catch some other guys? So he decides to cooperate. Uh, you want to buy uh, $20 million worth of cocaine? Time to meet John Valestra. He was an undercover DEA agent. And he says, when I got the call from the CI, who was a neighbor of John's, he says to me, the CI, that John needs some money and the inference of drugs was right there. So we're going to go to a this reenactment. Shit, now, um, do you know who Michael Raspoli is? 
No, sounds familiar-ish. He's he's a he's a great Spoli. actor. He's a okay. great actor. He plays Hoffman in these reenact okay. reenactments. He was in. Uh, you know who he was? Uh, he was. You ever seen The Sopranos? Yeah. Remember Jackie Aprile? No. He's Jackie Aprile in The Sopranos. Okay, give me another reference. Um, he's he, he's a mod. What's guy. the guy's name? Michael Rispoli. Rispoli. Okay. You'll know him if you see him. No. So him. we go to this reenactment. Okay. And we see Michael Rispoli. And he's like, you see the kind of dire straits his company's in right now. He needs cash bad. And he doesn't care where it comes from. You know, he's going to be back in Puama Valley in his ranch next week. And he wants me to meet him. The whole said Michael Rispoli. Yeah. Uh. Well, I'm doing my impression. Uh-huh. You're giving me shit. Uh. Anyway, it's all set up. Well, the, the feds are like, are you kidding me? You already got this set up? Jim Hoffman? Yeah. The guy that just happens to live next door to him? Well, Tamir says, it's 82. Reagan has just announced the war on drugs. Okay? In this time period, a confidential informant like James Hoffman can actually make a living by introducing the DEA to high-level criminals. And in this case, it's the perfect storm for John DeLorean. When Jim first approached John, it seemed like a very far-fetched idea that he'd been able to even help John out. But Jim was throwing out some numbers that seemed very alluring to John. So back to the reenactment with Rispoli. 10, 20, 50 million. And we see John DeLorean. I thought your investors might like to see some brochures um, before we could uh, do a deal. He like pulls out like pictures of the car. <laughs> and Rispoli's like, yeah, there's no need for that. My investors, they're not that kind of people. And he's like, uh, this is a great line. Delorean goes, are they in the coffee business? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you might say that. Oh, God. Well, this conversation was never recorded. So uh-huh. we don't really know what happened. Uh-huh. So there's some, they're taking some liberties. Sure. But they're assuming that this is kind of how the whole thing started. So... When Hoffman met DeLorean, at that point, Hoffman comes back to the feds and says, yeah, he wants to talk dope. So Falestra, who is the undercover, he says, really? I mean, if he said that, we need to get him to say it again somewhere. So on September 4th, they set up another sting operation. This is with the CI and John. Now, we see all of this. Everything is recorded. There are many people that can pick up the phone and get $30 million in three or four days without a lot of hassle. John's like, I can't think of anyone either, to be honest. <laughs> well, we could take 34 kilos. When you initially asked me what it would take, I said $1.75 million to $2 million. This would be coming, so, you know, we're going to receive $40 million. Well, during this period of time, John's supposed to come up with the $1.8 million. That's where it was left. So he'd have to put some of his own skin in the game. Nobody wants you to do something you're not comfortable with. I'm relying on you, saying that there's no way to connect me to this in the end. You're not going to be handling the product. Well, back to the reporters. Government attorneys in the John DeLorean trial today introduced a videotape that is perhaps the most damaging evidence to the auto executive. Right. The tape is played in testimony, and we, they reveal James Hoffman, who's the paid undercover informant, who was 
the government's star witness against DeLorean. Yeah. So they showed these meetings that occurred in Washington, uh, D.C., between DeLorean and the undercover agent. And they say it was a clever lure for DeLorean's participation in that discussion. The defense team says there's no harm in listening to someone else talk about a drug deal. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's cut to his son, Zach. For three months during the trial, we moved to my grandmother's, my grandfather's house in Brentwood. You know, I played it all out in my head in the time, and I just, <sighs> something triggers my memory. My father was looking at hardcore time, and to my parents' credit, you know, they did the best they could. You know, how the fuck do you tell your kids that shit ain't okay? For me, it's a double-edged sword that I walk all the time. The evidence is there that they met, they set him up. But common sense and re reality says he's not a fucking idiot, you know? He must have knew something was going on, you know? It was a fucked up time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, how the fuck could you put your family in jeopardy like that? Right. So this interview is just totally shocking because this is his son in the present day. And he's clearly dealing with a lot of modern day sure. anger that sure. never got resolved. Yeah. Got resolved. Well, 21 days into the John DeLorean cocaine trial, defense attorney Howard Weitzman says there's no question that John DeLorean can be seen and heard on tape talking about narcotics. But he says the question is, how far can the government go dangling a lure mm -hmm. in front of a desperate right. man? Yeah. yeah. That's where we're going to leave it today, Dave. Yes. And I'm curious, right. based on the evidence I presented, Yes. do you think... He was framed. He, not only was he framed or entrapped, do you think there's any way he can get out of this? Um, Keep in mind, we're on drugs. In what way? Like, what do you mean? He's on trial for his life for doing a drug deal. I mean, on trial for his life. Well, figure he's probably in his sixties at this time. He's probably looking at twenty years. That's a yeah, life maybe. sentence. Okay. All at right. That age. <clears throat> what do you think the chances are he gets off? Gets off. Yep. I'd say. Keep in mind, he's Delorean. He's a good-looking dude. I say he gets off. Okay, so you just. I say it's the 80s. People like them. Court of public opinion says, eh, leave this guy alone. And you think the government's framed him and set him up? Or they made an example of him. Okay, so you're <laughs> flip-flopping. You're flip-flopping. It's either one of those two. Okay. Or somewhere in between, maybe? Well, guys, you will find out next week on Down. episode 72 of Down, Down on the, the Docks. Docks. Dave, tell our listeners what they can do hey, to Hey, go us follow around. us on all the Instagrams, Down on the Docks pod. Go to Twitter, Down on the Docks. Go to right now. Right now, right now, Apple iTunes, freaking uh, review it. Yeah. Leave us a five-star review. Tell me how much you hate me. I'll respond back on this podcast about how much I hate you. Discord's been popping. Discord's great. Love it. Great. Got a lot of great submissions. I want to uh, give our uh, listeners a chance to do something great for the show. Do you? Yes. Okay. Did you hear about Spotify Wrapped? Nope. Do you know what Spotify Wrapped is? No. If tell you're a Spotify it. listener, mm -hmm. at the end of the year, they will tell you how oh, much you listen to a specific like, podcast yeah. or a specific song. Yeah. Okay. Like, for instance, for me, my number one song this year um, was an Alice in Chains song. Wow. Um, and like, Someone's down in a hole. <laughs> I think it was actually uh, an obscure Losing song. Losing my soul. It wasn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like you on this podcast. Seriously, dude. Um, so anyway, what I'm asking our listeners is post them. Post, post them. it. And if you if there's something good, I'll buy if you're I'll buy you something. Okay. I don't know. I'm not I don't want to put a parameter on it because I might buy might buy multiple people things. But yeah, if you yeah. if you make aware Here's that thing. you listen to a lot of the I'll match show, it there, Dave. Wow. Oh, I've got a I've got a gift certificate I just found in my, wow. my drawer that's twenty years old. Well, Guess it's not going to work from. anymore. Of course it will. Ah, it's from Tif- Tiffany and Company. Ah, buddy, you walk. Okay. What are you going to get for the hundred? For how much? How many dollars? I think it's like forty-seven dollars on it. Forty-seven dollars on it. Is that what I, you used to buy a ring? No, I, I think I I don't remember what I bought, but it was like twenty years ago, and I just found it in my drawer. I'm going to give that away. Wow. So you could get heavy spender. a $47 Tiffany and Company. And like a $20 t-shirt. Th- that may or may not I'll work. Get you, I'll get you like a t-shirt. Dave's so. going to get you a t-shirt. Yeah. And, um, but that's going to go to the person that's got the best post for yeah. their Spotify. Yeah. It doesn't now, even have to be the most. No. It's got to be the best. <laughs> it's got to be the best. So, but, if, but if you are the most, you got a good chance of winning a t-shirt. Yeah. What's, I'm telling you right now. What are you going to do? Give them a plain white t-shirt? No. Sell them, I'll ask them. Like what you're gonna I'm sure whoever a, listens a to our show or a jockey? No, whoever's I'm sure whoever listens to our show is also a fan of other podcasts sure. that have merch and stuff like that. So maybe I'll get them something okay. get them something for twenty twenty five bucks. Okay. Whatever the, it is. They get the twenty five Amazon gift card. They get a twenty five dollar shirt and they get my forty seven dollar uh gift certificate, yeah. Tiffany Co. Only available maybe to you. Give away different gifts. We don't well, have to give away the same the gifts. Thing. My Gift card is only valid at the Rodeo location in Beverly Hills. <laughs> okay. So mine's not a great gift. I'm just going to use it to chop up cocaine with. All right. That? So you're probably going to have yeah, to pay sure, for it. Sure. All right, guys, that's our show. We will see you next week for part two of Framing John DeLorean. Thanks for joining